Today's scripture reading is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. The word of God. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Hallelujah. I'm Pastor Tim. Uh, Thanks for being here on this beautiful June Sunday morning, uh, carving out part of your weekend to be here for worship. So uh, please turn to someone nearby you and say, thanks for being here. Say that to somebody right now. Thanks for being here. We're starting a series called Living Life as Lutherans. As mentioned, uh, staff gets asked some questions sometimes. Why do we do this? Why do we think that? We also believe uh, over the years we've estimated in-house that probably close to 50% of our membership does not have a Lutheran background. We think that's a wonderful thing. We think that makes us a diverse community of faith. We think that brings a richness from all the different backgrounds. We also uh, understand that the Chicago area is a very Catholic area. All the demographics and and surveys don't lie. The recent one I saw, 40% of the Chicago area is Catholic. You want to guess Lutheran? Two. Two. However, that's the Chicago area. We're outnumbered. Yeah, we know that. Uh, But around the world, in all six populated continents, there are Lutherans. The fastest growing Lutheran movement is in Africa. And right now, as we sit here on this beautiful morning together, there are 80 million of us around the globe. 80 million. So, we're not that out of a duck after all. The Lutheran movement uh, is an interesting thing. I moved here uh, almost a decade ago uh, from a very Lutheran part of the country, the upper Midwest. Came from a God-forsaken state called Minnesota. We, um, that's where Lutheranism rules the day, up there. And the Dakotas and northern Wisconsin and some other parts of the country, but certainly there. And so when we'd make Lutheran jokes... They would kill. I could tell an Oli and Lena joke in worship, and they'd be on the floor. Just, it didn't matter. Just laughing. So one of the first classes I taught when I came to Alleluia was a class called Lutheranism 101, or I didn't grow up Lutheran. And it's a class, you know, intended to help folks who didn't have that background or want a refresher from confirmation class. Perhaps they weren't paying that close of attention to the material at the time. So it's a great class and look for it because we keep bringing it back every few years. So I'm in a room as I just got here, your new senior pastor, I've got 40 some people sitting there and I thought I'd break the ice. I thought let's, let's have a joke. So I, I found this Jeff Foxworthy like joke thing, uh, you know you're a Lutheran if. And if you were in the room that night, you know what happened. I started reading this because this thing kills in Minnesota. And I start reading it and I go, you know you're a Lutheran if and things like if you have an entire cupboard in your kitchen dedicated to cream of mushroom soup. 
So now only you, few, you know, a few Lutherans here get that. And now all the rest of you are going, I have no idea what that just meant. You're all looking at me funny. And it was like crickets in the room. And I thought I read it wrong. I thought maybe I just didn't, you know, maybe I didn't deliver it right. The timing is, so I keep going down the list. Do you think Jell-O is one of the four food groups? And I keep going. You, you, get, you go online to get concert tickets. You look for the best seats in the back. You know, and the list goes on and on, right? And, but it, no one was laughing. It was dead silence. I took out my handkerchief. I started dabbing my forehead. I'm sweat. I'm like, this is not. I'm like, Lord, what did you, is, it Luther, is this a Lutheran church? Living life as Lutherans. If you have no idea what a Lutheran is, let me give you a quick crash course in the Reformation faith. The Reformation faith began when a Catholic monk named Martin Luther in the first part of the 16th century living in Germany posted 95 problems he had with his beloved church uh, selling indulgences to the peasants in Germany. He discovered that the Catholic church at the time was selling pieces of paper, the indulgences, and if you, were, if you made a payment to the church, you received this piece of paper, and the paper lets you know that your loved ones who had died and are now living in purgatory, waiting to get into heaven, they would get to heaven sooner, depending on how much you gave. And Luther went, what? He had a problem with that. So he went to the castle church door on October 31st in 1517, and he nailed 95 theses, 95 problems he had with this practice of his beloved church. He was a Catholic monk. And he wanted to start a conversation. He wanted to start dialogue about maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Scripture doesn't support this. How do we, how do we try to teach this to the peasants? What's going on? Let's have a conversation. Almost at the exact same time, the movable printing press was getting going. This thing was copied, spread across entire Germany within weeks. And it was a wave that couldn't be stopped and a conversation that could never be put to rest. And we're sitting here in 2019 with a sign outside that says Lutheran because the Lutheran movement could never be stopped. It was a, re re a reformation faith. You hear the word in there, re re reform? Luther didn't want to start a, a Lutheran church. In fact, in his lifetime, he forbid the use of the name Luther or Lutheran. It horrified him. He thought that was a, a first commandment, you shall have no other gods, uh, break, breakage. He said, no, absolutely not. I'm, I'm horrified that the word Lutheran is out there. But it was a movement that couldn't be stopped because beyond indulgences was a bigger question. If it's not in Scripture, why are we teaching it? Which brings us to the first pillar of the Reformation faith, the Lutheran movement, the Protestant movement, the, all the Methodists, the, 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 the Presbyterians, all the, the Reformation faith that came out of the Reformation in the early part of the 16th century. And the first pillar is called Sola Scriptura. You want to say some Latin with me? Sola Scriptura. Say that. Scripture alone. Luther said, if it's not in the Bible, we ought not to be teaching it and preaching it to the people. For example, indulgences. Where is that? And he said what we should be teaching and preaching the people is what's in the Bible only, which is why he translated the Bible into the peasant's language of German, German at the time, because the only 
Bibles that were available were in Latin, and the only ones who read the Latin and translated it to the people were the priests. Luther said the people need the Bible in their hands so they can see for themselves. And one of the things they saw for themselves, and I would suggest the biggest wave, the biggest instigator of the Reformation was when Luther discovered in the New Testament Paul's writing that said, we are saved by grace through faith apart from works of the law, which brings us to the second one, sola sola gratia. Say sola gratia. Grace alone. We are saved by God's grace, his gifts imparted to us of forgiveness and salvation. God giving it to us, not us being good enough, not us being holy enough or righteous enough. Sola gratia, grace alone. And in that verse also is the next one, sola fide. Say that. Sola fide, faith alone. We are saved by grace through what? Faith. We're saved by grace through what? Faith, apart from the works of the law. We don't earn our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, faith alone in Christ, which is the next one. Solus Christus. Say solus Christus. Christ alone. This was another huge pillar of the Reformation faith. Scripture says we have access to the Father through the Son, Christ, by one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The whole Trinity is involved. We have access. We can get to God through Jesus alone. Luther said we don't need a priest to be a mediator between God and us. We don't need a pastor. We can get right to God. We don't need saints. We don't need Mary. We go right to God. And this was a huge radical change. Because Luther would always bring it back to the top one, sola scriptura. No instruction in scripture to pray to the saints. No instruction in scripture to pray to Mary. We pray to God through Jesus alone. We get to God. We have access to God. Direct line. All summed up in the early part of the 20th century by another one of the sole, in the plural, is sole deo gloria. So you can say that. That is to God alone be glory. That was the motto of my college, uh, to God alone be the glory. And this, you can hear as we start to ask the question about baptism this morning, you can start to hear the answers in here on this list. God, to God be the glory in our lives of faith. It's not what we do. It's not about us being holy and righteous enough and good enough and glorious enough and being this pleasing thing before God, our creator. No, it's about giving God the glory. That's why we worship. We worship God. We give him what he is deserving of, what he is worthy of. We worship God. It's to him be the glory. So in all this, we start to see the Reformation faith and then we can ask the question, why do we baptize babies? We're going to have one. Uh, in just a few minutes here. Why do we baptize babies? So ask the question. Say what's on the screen. Here we go. Why do we baptize babies? I'm glad you asked. It's a great question. Before we get to the actual answer on that, I think it's important to ask the question, what is baptism anyway? Is it just a symbol of our faith? Is it just a ritual we do to kind of start the wheels rolling? Or is there something more divine, something more powerful going on in that moment? In the small catechism, Luther teaches about this question, what is baptism? How many of you went to a confirmation class in a Lutheran church and learned from a catechism? Go ahead, okay, got some good Lutherans out there. 
What is baptism? Luther said, baptism is not water only, but it's water used together with God's word and by his command. This is just water. But in the moment, the pastor says, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and that word connects with the water. That is where a holy and divine moment happens. It is not symbolic. It is not just a hoop-jumping ritual. It is where the creator of the universe attaches his word to an earthly element, the water, and a divine and holy moment happens. We are received into the community of faith. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And because we are called into the family of Christ, God imparts to us through the waters of baptism his grace, his love, the gift of faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit, no matter if you're six months old or 60 years old. Because we do adult baptisms here too. And before I forget and before we move on, if you're an adult in this church, um, and you've been worshiping here, and you think, oh, I guess they only do babies. I've never been baptized, but I guess I can't be. Nothing could be further from the truth. Please talk to one of the three pastors. We'd love to have a conversation with you. We'd love to start the conversation about you being baptized, because Lutherans do baptize adults. It's just our practice to do it as earlier in life. So back to the question. What is Baptism. Well, let's go, to the verse, let's go to the verses in our base text today from Matthew 28, verse 16 and following. If you have your Bibles, I'd love to, to read along with you on this text. This is after the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. And Jesus meets his disciples where he told them to meet him. Verse 17, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. Some doubted. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and he said... Because here's what Luther said, it's the water used with the word and by his command. What's the command? It's in today's text. And Jesus says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Next word is? Baptizing. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach them. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Baptize, teach. Baptize, teach. Infant baptism, then raise them in the faith. Baptize, teach. It falls in line with infant baptism. Teach them everything I've commanded you. I'm surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And so the first reason we baptize babies is Jesus told us to baptize. That's his command. But also in that command is all nations. I'll give you the translation of the Greek word here for nations. Ready? It's nations which means all the people. It doesn't say, go baptize just the adults. It doesn't say, just go baptize people who believe enough. It says, baptize everybody, and then teach them all I've commanded you. God claims us in the waters of baptism. We, we are raised then in the faith. All nations, all ethnicities, baptize them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and when that word connects with the water that is that divine and holy moment in the waters of baptism first reason we baptize babies jesus commanded us to baptize and he did not put an age limit on it folks 
Now, true, biblical scholars, you cannot find a verse in Scripture that says, go baptize babies. But you can also not find a verse in Scripture that says, go baptize only adults and people who are old enough to say they believe. And when we read all nations, it means everybody. Let's keep going with this sort of thought process um, in Acts 2. Acts 2, verse 38 and 39. You want to join me there? Acts is the book right after the Gospel of John. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts 2. This is right after the moment of Pentecost happened. It's, it's where God gives the Holy Spirit to the early church. And there's just this chaotic moment. There's just Think about it. There's this crazy uh, thing happening. People don't know how to interpret it. People have been filled with the Holy Spirit. All this crazy visual stuff and, and all this stuff happening to them. They feel this incredible wave of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit. And now Peter's sort of summarizing it. And in verse 38 and 39, Peter replies, repent. Because he's trying to, you know, put it all together for everybody. What just happened? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. The promise is for you and for your... What? Children. Your children. And for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The promise is for children. Promises and baptism are for infants as well as adults. Because God is the one acting. God's grace is being imparted. God's gifts of the Holy Spirit are being given in that moment. It's all dependent on God. It's not dependent on us. It's God acting, claiming us. The promise of baptism is for us and for our children. Entire households in the book of Acts were baptized when the jailer in Philippi was converted by Paul to the Christian faith, Paul baptized his entire household. Now, sure, we don't know if he had babies, but it didn't say the jailer and his wife were baptized. The entire household, assuming children. Lydia, same thing. Stephanus, same thing. Entire households, the scripture says. Not just the adults. Our connection with the Reformation faith that Luther launched in the 16th century was connected to the Roman Catholic Church, our brothers and sisters. The Lutheran movement was a wave from within the Roman Catholic Church. Roman Catholics have been baptizing infants from the very beginning. Origen, the historian, writes in the 3rd century about the practice of infant baptism in the only church, the only Christian church known at the time. The Greek Orthodox Church, and they split after around 1,000, the year 1000, they have the practice of infant baptism. And so the Lutheran movement in the 1500s and into the 1600s just continued that which we believe was always the way it was. And again, why? Because the promise is for all nations and the promise is for your children. God's grace has no age limit. Let's go to one more text today in the, in the book of Luke 18, verse 15. As you're turning there, Luke 18, 15. First reason we baptize, Jesus commanded it of all nations, no age limit. The second reason is the promise is for 
you and your children, entire households in Scripture were baptized? Here's the third reason. People were also bringing what to Jesus in verse 18, or 15, I'm sorry. Bringing what? Babies. They're bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Let's pause, make sure we understand the context of the day. Very patriarchal society. Children were a liability. It was believed in the Hebrew family, if a, until a boy was old enough to learn his father's trade and help him in the business, they were just nothing but a liability. Times have changed just a little bit, haven't they? These kids are now the center of our universe. Not a bad thing, but it's, it's something to be noted. So picture in that scene, all these families, all these people bringing these babies to Jesus, as if, and the disciples rebuke all the people and go, knock it off. And what does Jesus say? 16, let the little children come to me. and Do not hinder them. If you hear one thing today about infant baptism, lean in for this next line, Jesus says. For the kingdom of God belongs to them. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Jesus says, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus models God's heart for humankind of any age. And in this text, for babies, for infants, for children, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. The gift of baptism belongs to them. God's grace has no age limit. So let's go back to the beginning and apply those solas quickly to the question, why do we baptize babies? Well, the commands in Scripture baptize all the nations, all the people, the entire households were baptized. Jesus modeled God's heart, let the children come to me, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Grace alone, the question in baptism is, who is the one acting? Who's the one acting? And who's receiving? God is acting. And if God is acting, he can impart his grace and love to anyone he wants. And his heart is to love children for the kingdom, his kingdom belongs to them. Faith. From the waters of baptism, we enter the community and the family of Christ, and we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit in that moment, and a life of faith begins, and we grow in the faith. Christ alone. Jesus commanded us to baptize. We're we're baptized into the family of Jesus Christ. Soli Deo Gloria. This is kind of, I know I'm a Lutheran pastor, in case you didn't know, but this is my favorite one on the question here on baptism. Who gets the glory in baptism? God. God in Christ claims us in the waters of baptism, and we are his child. His grace, his forgiveness, the promise of eternal life comes to us at any age in the waters of baptism. But if baptism is about me and my choice, and my decision, and I'm now at a place where I can get there and make the decision for myself, And maybe it's a little bit more about me than it is about God. 
I want to insert something here that's very important I want you to hear. If you come from that faith background where you grew up with believer baptism or you had a baptism after you came to faith, we love that here at Alleluia. We love baptism. We don't it doesn't matter what the tradition was. We're just answering the question today, why do Lutherans baptize babies for you? If you had an adult baptism or a conversion baptism, we celebrate that with you. We love you. We, we think it's wonderful. So please don't hear me wrong today that one's right and one's wrong. Baptism is God's will for all of humankind. But we're just asking the question today, why Lutherans baptize babies? And so what better way for God to express his love and grace? For humankind than when a baby is baptized. God's creation. God's child. God's saving act in the waters when his word connects with the water. Unable to make the decision for themselves. But isn't that the point? God chooses us. God claims us. God's grace pours over us in the waters of baptism. Yes, God chooses even little children in the waters of baptism for the kingdom of God belongs to them. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for the sacrament of holy baptism at any age. At any age. And we give you thanks that your love and grace pour over us. And in the waters, we enter family of Christ. Lord, we remember our own baptisms today. Be with us, Heavenly Father, as we live in your grace and your love and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said together, Amen.